We wish you a very warm welcome to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show. We look forward to having your company. Welcome to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show, where successful managers and experts share their insights to help you recruit and retain the right people in your organisation. Now here's your host, Marie Harris. Hello, my name's Marie Herreth. I am Director of Harvest Recruitment and we've launched Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success podcast specifically to help managers attract, select and retain the right people for their business. The show really covers a host of things but really answers your question when it comes to getting the right fit. So we look forward to having you uh, join us and having your company for episode 13 of Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show. In today's show, we have Sam Buckby from Buckby Electrical join us as special guest, and he's going to talk us through um, how to staff up for peak times and what he's learned in 12 years of running his own company and also some other special projects that he's got on. Uh, We're going to answer a listener question and that one's talking about discrimination, what you can and can't say and where are the no-go zones. So um, stay tuned for that because it's one of those not often talked about subject areas. And of course, we're letting you know what's going on in the forum, uh, what we're doing in event world, and we are turning social. It is the social time of the year. Um, And a few other things that are going on in harvest world. We look forward to having your company. In today's section for our listener question, it's a question that sometimes remains behind the scenes and doesn't get put on the table. Um, but we have, when we are recruiting individuals for an organisation, we have particular laws and regulations uh, and guidelines that we need to uphold to make sure every individual is assessed on their merit to do the job and to perform the task and to work within the the cultural bands of an organisation. And the question that we are asked is what is appropriate and above board and what can get an employer into hot water when it comes to recruiting their staff and potentially giving feedback to unsuccessful candidates. And we are governed by laws around um, particularly discrimination and that we cannot discriminate based on age, based on race, based on sexual preference, based on gender, based on religious um, standing. So these are all areas, and this is the major ones, and there would be also minor areas that um, are no-go zones. And Quite often, and I'd have to say, um, there are employers that verge on slipping up uh, when it comes to rejecting candidates for roles or not proceeding with them. And employers have to be extremely careful with how they feed information back to candidates and job seekers if they determine that they are unsuitable. And the most common ones that we we do find are the ones that potentially for a a technical discipline and a lot of technical and technically qualified individuals usually and 
have in fact studied offshore and come to Australia. So they may have permanent residency, they may be on sponsored visas, they may be on student visas still as they do further studies, but they're primary language is not English Um, so their English is their second language and they normally have obviously their home country as the the principal language and principal language that is spoken so with English as a second language does come some communication differences and potential difficulties but if we look at candidates on their merit to do the job we do have to assess is communication part of their role is it a strong part? Are they client-facing? Um, are they or are they delivering um, products, programs, um, and technical data? So it's a very thin line to reject a candidate if they um, are coming from another country for the role, particularly if they possess all overlapping skills to do the job. So that's discrimination based on race. Uh, the other one that again is there quite often is gender and usually when employers are thinking about a role they're naturally thinking about a gender who could do this role and if they start to go down that path and are going I'm looking ideally for a male or ideally for a female it means they will inherently not consider the other gender based on gender alone and again we have to be considerate of different genders having different qualifications and skills now and it's not just a male's world in in you know certain industry and just a female's world in other industries and other disciplines that the two do cross over and where something is male dominated females can potentially do the role equally as well or better than their male counterparts similarly in a female dominated industry or discipline some males can do the job better. So it's, again, assessing candidates on their merit. Um, And another tricky one is looking at candidates that are female who are potentially going to go on leave for female reasons. It's normally to have kids and family, etc. And that employers cannot, again, discriminate on family, I guess, interests so you know, everyone has the right to to have kids and of course the female is the 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 person who delivers the child but in today's day and age I see many um, a, a mother go back to work in three six nine months of having their child so they're no longer absolutely disqualified from the workplace uh, after having children and just because maternity leave is for 12 months doesn't mean women take the 12 months. In fact, many women do not take the 12 months maternity leave. So um, those sorts of things, just they're always sort of bubbling along in the background and recruitment companies will never ask the question, but the employer may be inadvertently discriminating against age, sex, race, in terms of the reasons why they are not proceeding with those candidates. So just be careful, be extremely careful. If you are giving feedback to people and they fall into the minority that you perhaps do not want, be extremely careful. You need to be um, giving feedback based on their merit and ability to do the job and the fit with your organisation. That's all I'm going to say on the subject. 
but it's a very delicate field and you do not want this sort of thing to blow up in your face. If you want to start a dialogue with Harvest Recruitment, you can. We're on pretty much every main social media channel. Uh, so we're on Twitter with the handle Harvest HR. We're on LinkedIn as a group and a company. Our group is Harvest HR, which is two-way dialogue. So if you want to tap in and see what the news and views, uh, we also um, have a company page, Harvest Recruitment and Harvest Human Resources. And we are on Facebook and we are there as Harvest Recruitment. So whatever forum or media channel you like on social media, uh, you will find us. We put everything on our Facebook page just because um, we mix it up. We like to have a bit of um, Monday inspiration and Friday frivolity. Um, we are around work and the Institute of Work, I guess, with employment. Uh, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're quite often putting up recruitment tips, uh, our upcoming events or events we've attended. And also on Thursday, we spend a bit of time with training tools. So if you do want to hook in um, outside of the podcast, you are more than welcome. And if you're not in social media world, that's okay. You can connect with us on our website, harvesthr.com.au. And there you will find our latest blogs, our latest videos, uh, as well as a plethora of other topics. So whether it be social or whether it be website, we look forward to having you join us. Now we have a situation, we're in October um, in our event world and we've actually pretty much come to a close for our events for the year, which uh, we've had a number of breakfast workshops and our LinkedIn workshop uh, last month pretty much drew to a close our Harvest HR breakfast briefings. What we find is um, when it comes close to the end of the year, just there's so much going on that it's quite difficult to have events um, because everyone's going to everything else. So October, in a couple of weeks, we'll be at the Geelong Cup because we do have a Geelong-based business uh, and we're look, looking forward to hosting our um, key clients to, to the Cup um, on the 22nd of October. So it's kind of not really an, an event. I don't think it qualifies. So you can, I guess, stay in touch with us heading into the Christmas period and the Christmas break, we tend to do more social than we do formal and educational events. So as you should, I think, like we need to put the pens down and celebrate for a while. And then um, we really take a break until February and our that will be our next breakfast briefing um, that will come up in the new year. And it normally has a resource planning or recruitment um, or the churn of staff after the new year as the focus. Um, but in the meantime, if you do know any job seekers, we are um, presenting um, careers workshops and we're presenting interview skills and interview techniques for job seekers. Uh, we just hosted a an event yesterday for a group of four in fact who were going and they were all going for the same job it was really weird um, because I was giving them all the competitive edge and it's just how much they learned on the day as to who's going to get 
the role. Um, but yeah, we can plan that on an ad hoc basis. So if you do know any job seekers that are looking for career advice or career assistance, we just organize appropriate timeframes um, that's mutually convenient. We've got some great listener feedback um, and you know, people who are connecting in with um, Harvest Recruitment on more aspects than just our podcast. So quite often people hear about our podcast and they'll come to a breakfast or they'll hear about our podcast and they'll come to an event. Um, they'll look at a video and then come to something. Uh, and it's fantastic to have those connections that are, are really um, penetrating to more than just one service that we offer. And, and we do offer a lot of um, entry-level services to help new business owners or small business owners just do recruitment better. And last month we hosted a LinkedIn workshop and we got um, some fantastic feedback. In fact, uh, one of the workshop attendees said, uh, fantastic workshop from Marie and the team at Harvest Recruitment. Very, very valuable content. Thanks again. So um, we're obviously connecting with some people's needs when it comes to um, our knowledge. And last month, as I said, it was on LinkedIn. And we've also, in addition to presenting the breakfast on LinkedIn, we also put the slide share um, or slideshow up on SlideShare. So you can actually find um, it on SlideShare, also on our Facebook page as well, and also on our LinkedIn page. And finally, we've put a YouTube video up, which we just launched um, on our Facebook page and it's on our video page too um, around using LinkedIn and potentially using LinkedIn as a candidate sourcing strategy, depending on what field you're in. It's a strong one for specialist industries to be using that. So yeah, some fantastic feedback. Uh, it's nice to know that uh, we are adding value to our managers' lives uh, in their business and recruitment world. Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce Sam Buckby from Buckby Electrical as our guest today. Uh, he was fueled by the realization that running his own business would open doors. And it was by and through this that Buckby Electrical was born in 2002. Uh, it's a brainchild of Sam himself, the director, and the company operates predominantly in Geelong um, and he loves living and working locally. Since its conception, Buckby Electrical has grown on simple principles. Look after your staff, the environment and your customers. Sam has been fortunate enough to employ a great array of people with specialised skills covering all areas of the electrical and solar industries. With this combined leadership and enthusiasm, Sam has created a highly skilled and diverse team working in an enjoyable and supportive environment. With over 15 years of experience, he has seen a thing or two and the growth of his dream has been steady. So it is set in a firm foundation and he feels very strongly about his company. With a strong focus on sustainable design, which we will learn later uh, in our discussions, Sam also likes to push the limits when it comes to thinking and acting green. Part of the Buckby philosophy is diversity. And Sam realised that by maintaining a broad skill set for himself and his staff, Buckby Electrical could tackle any scenario his clients threw at him. Sam is a Geelong local. 
He's got a beautiful wife, Tennille, and together they have three children. And then he says in his spare time, um, I think running a business and three children is busy enough. But in his spare time, Sam enjoys coaching and playing basketball. And he's looking forward to watching Buckby Electrical grow in the future. Would you please welcome Sam Buckby? Today on our Seeds for Success show, I'm delighted to have as my guest Sam Buckby from Buckby Electrical. Welcome, Sam. Thanks, Barry. Now, our job is to assist managers attract, select and retain the right people in their organisation. And today we'd love to hear the Buckby Electrical story. So tell us a little bit about Buckby Electrical. Um, look, we're a Geelong company. We have been for uh, nearly 12 years now, service uh, yeah, in Geelong and also surrounding areas and predominantly high-end residential, um, a lot of nice big architectural homes for, you know, some really good builders that we've worked for for a long time. Beautiful. Uh, and and also commercial projects, um, you know, up to sort of about the million-dollar mark, normally locally, but also, you know, as far as Warrnambool and Melbourne and, and whatnot as well. Now, Sam, Sam, I can hear you're a little bit, um, you know, you just downplay your um, the work that you do because Sam and Buckby Electrical were featured just recently on the block Glasshouse, which at present time is in its final weeks. Just tell us how you got um, the opportunity to sort of work on the block um, and what what that's done for the business. Yeah, uh, look, uh, thankfully, I think we've got a pretty good reputation. So the boys we're working for, Shannon and Simon, um, as you said, it's current on TV at the minute. We haven't been there for a few weeks. There's obviously a little bit of lag in TV world. But uh, they've got an uncle down this way who's an architect, and then they also engage a builder from the Geelong region as well. I think our name was thrown into the mix quite early and, and thrown in by a couple of people, which you know made it quite attractive for them. And we went up and had a a brief meeting and they were very happy straight away so that's how we got the job what it's meant for us oh look it's certainly a different type of job you do a lot of hours it's it's not often that normally you're working on someone's house at midnight yes um, up there it happened all too often so it, it was a learning curve yes uh, i can't imagine we're ever going to have another job similar to that um but with that said it was probably one of the most enjoyable jobs uh, on the back of the amount of sort of trust that they put in, you know, they, they're quite busy and they really rely on their trades mm. to give them a bit more of a holistic service than just come in and here's a set of plans to do this because there is no plans. You know, there's, it's, it's, we've got this room to do. What do you think? And they sort of say, well, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they sort of put a lot of trust in us and we were able to deliver, you know, mm. what we were really happy with and I think they were really happy with. So from that point of view, they were basically one of our ideal clients just that level of trust they have in in you know your your expertise so mm. it was really good because i think a lot with a lot of um projects that you would get you you get directed quite often and it might not be what you would necessarily um recommend but you would fall in have to fall in line a little bit with what is you know according to the plan whereas here you get to be in a consultative sort of yeah, on, on the a round table discussion. Is that Yeah, there was no round tables up there, it was very ad hoc. But um <laughs> Maybe it, it sitting does on happen. a few crates in the background. <laughs> yeah. But it does happen all too often where we are you know, there is a really strict directive on what we have to get done. There's a set of plans, there's a specification that's hundred pages long. Mm. You know, this is how the job's gonna be done. And you know, I've been in the I've had my own business for nearly twelve years, I've been working in the industry for over fifteen years 
and you do see things that you think that's not going to work you know that's not going to that's not right the customer's not going to like that you do you see it all the time but you don't really have the opportunity to fix it because you're bound you know yep. to a contract or whatever it might be and you know, that can be pretty frustrating at times and unfortunately it can sometimes cost the customer in the end as well mm. because they also find out in the end it's not what they wanted and so you have to do so retrospectively you're yeah. trying to fix it up so that's where yeah you know, it was different at the block we sort of had the opportunity to say listen this is sometimes how you see it specified mm. but in our experience it's much better to do it this way and you know it works out a lot better for the customer that way. So, yeah. yeah, whilst it was a... So an ideal client, but just without the midnight finishes and mid- midnight workings, perhaps. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And the camera crews, you know, yeah. in, in one eye and the microphone strapped to your chest. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big Brother is watching every move. Well, that's right. Yeah. Um, and this leads me on to... An, you know, I always think of the block as this, everything's compressed and, you know, it's a peak period and there's delivery, crazy delivery deadlines. Um, but you probably have that on an ongoing basis, you know, times where it, it ebbs and wanes uh, in, in terms of, you know, where the business is at and the projects that you gain. And you probably have very intense periods of work. So staffing wise, how do you cope with that? Uh, it's a constant challenge. It absolutely is. We've had periods within the last 12 months where we've had you know double the staff um that we have right now we've also had periods where we've had less just in the last 12 months um so that fluctuation isn't five or ten percent sometimes it can be 70 80 percent you know mm. your staffing can change so it, it, it's a constant battle um in the construction industry you know you can in those really short-term peak periods you can use subcontractors and and labor hire and things mm. like that but Sometimes they're not a great solution either because you've got you know, issues with them being reliable because they're sometimes committed to other people, so you you, know, you just can't get them. So it, it's a constant battle. And what would be the time frame that you would have in terms of lead time if you needed to ramp up, as you said, by that 80%? So working at a certain level now, we need now 80% more output. So we need, you know, it might be you know, 50% more staff, 80% more staff, doubling of the staff. How do you, like, what sort of time frame do you get to actually staff up for the peak period? I guess with those really big growth periods, you do get a little bit of time because you will foresee the projects coming. If it's a, if it's a large project that's going to take an extra five or six people to, uh, to facilitate that job, then you do have that time because you see that project coming. It's, it's very, not very often you have you know, one of our customers come to us and say, look, we've got a million-dollar project for you to do. It starts tomorrow. Mm. That doesn't happen. Mm. So with those really, really big ones, yeah, you get a little bit of time. Is that, like, four weeks or...? Yeah, probably minimum, mm-hmm. probably minimum, even up to sort of eight weeks. If yeah. not, sometimes they, get, sometimes they get dragged out for months. Okay. You know? So you do get that time. And they're normally the ones that are not too bad to manage because you do have that time. It's probably more the ones where you do just get a lot of work coming in and it is something that's needed to be done within three days and it's going to be, you know, 100 hours worth of work and you just don't have the staff for that. Mm. So that can be the challenge. I mean... So it just might be like scheduling out to next week could be a challenge with just a lot of like the, the bits jobs, you know, the maintenance work and the, the repairs and those sorts of things and it could, yeah, increase the hours. Yeah. So sometimes you can, I guess, schedule it out a little bit longer yeah. um, with your current workload. But yeah, if it is that more um, ad hoc, do you bring on subcontractors to assist you there or how, yeah, how do you sort of deal with it then? 
what I've done, and I've been in the game long enough to sort of know the good way to do it and the bad way to do it. You know, there's been periods um, I've run this business where we have scheduled for four or six weeks in advance, but that's got its problems as well because you sort of lock in schedules and you lock in times with customers and things change. Correct. People get sick. People, you know, your staff are unavailable. The status of the project changes. So scheduling that far in front is sometimes just as bad as not scheduling at all. So, And I've also been times where I've been too busy and, and suddenly we're running at a, you know, what are we doing tomorrow situation. That's got its problems. Yes. So I guess at the minute we, we look at probably that sort of 10 day. Mm-hmm. I, I like look to know ahead. what we're doing for about the next 10 days, um, which seems to be that sort of nice balance, not to say it doesn't have its issues as well. Yes. But it does, you know, it's, it's certainly got that better balance where mm. you're not uh, trying to read the future mm. and you're certainly not sort of flying by the seat of your pants. But, I mean, even then, uh, 10 days goes very quickly. Mm. So all of a sudden in three weeks you need two or three extra staff. Yep. It can come around very quickly. And in the electrical industry, how open are the electricians to that turning on, turning off, because that's really how you cope with those peak periods is you have to turn on and bring on electricians for a period. And they might be um, casuals on your books that you've you've had for a period and then you've put off for a period and then you need to bring back. How flexible are the electricians to work around that sort of the, the nuances, I guess, of the construction industry and the, and the peaks and troughs? Nobody wants to go be without work. So when you hire someone... Um, I guess the worst thing you can do is sort of promise them the world and then cut them short. So I guess we just try and be as transparent as possible. So if I'm putting someone on for a short term, whether it's three months or two months or something like that, I try and make it very clear to them, you know, in the outset that, you know, what we've got guaranteed for you is the next eight weeks, um, all things well, you know, your position should be able to be retained. We'll keep growing. There'll be more projects for you to go to. Um, and you know, based on on us having the work and your performance and a whole number of normal staffing factors, you know we can retain you. But the work that's guaranteed is mm. is is two months. And I'd ask a question on that. With that transparency, does that lead to um, potential commitment issues from those electricians? Because if they go, oh, I'm working for this job for two months, but you know another company may have a six month job, so I'll start with. Sam, and you're like, great, we're on. And then before you know it, they've gone on to another project that has a you know, a greater time frame to it. Yeah, it, that's certainly happened. It's yeah. certainly happened. You'll, you'll put someone on for an eight-week project and then six weeks in they get a job offer for six months. Who am I to stop them? Yeah, whenever I lose a staff member, it's not great. You do get, you, you know, I've lost someone and for a day or so you're worried about it. But what it is, it's an opportunity then to see what they did well, what they didn't do so well, and invariably the next staff member you get, it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, someone did tell me years ago, you'll always, you'll never hire worse staff, you'll always hire better staff, which when you sort of dive a bit deeper into that, you can always make them better. So yes, you might, the next person you hire might not be on the first day as good as the person that you had to, or, you know, left. But you've got the opportunity to then see where it was wrong with your last staff, see where the room to grow was, and you get to turn your staff into better people because you've learned from the past. So I don't get too upset when I lose staff. I don't want to lose staff, mm. uh, especially good ones. But I do see the opportunity there 
to then always turn, you know, whether it's getting better staff or making my staff better mm. on the back of the, you know, the previous staff I've, I've employed. Yeah. So, mm. And on the people side of the business, being in business for 12 years, is there any war stories, any, any, any key learnings in either growing your staff or retaining staff or potentially, as you said, could have hired the wrong staff? Um, can you think of anything that comes to light? Oh, I'm sure there's heaps. <laughs> I've probably blocked most of them out. <laughs> but, I mean, I haven't ha- – look, I'd like to think I haven't had any, you know, detrimental stories. Um, you know, you're sort of smart enough to, to plan for that not to happen. But I've, I've lost some really good stuff, you know, some really, really good stuff mm. to, to better job offers. Um, I've also lost, you know, when business we've had peaks and troughs and – I've had some really good staff, um, even office, not just electricians. Obviously, you know, yes, we're an electrical firm and everyone thinks that we just sort of hire a number of electricians and apprentices, but I've also got office manager roles. Um, I've got other admin roles. We've got part-time bookkeepers and things like that. And in those troughs, sometimes the workload for that office staff space, that can fall away. And I have had to, you know, reduce hours and that because a lot of the time they're not 40-hour-a-week roles for those. But we've had a, a really consistent role. I think over the last probably seven or eight years, the person who's been my office manager has been someone who's got children at school and they work those kind of nine to three hours and, and do it happily and sort of rely on that work as well. And then in those troughs, I've, I've had to reduce their hours and they've had to move on to get you know, more consistent work because the construction industry certainly isn't volatile, but it, but it's probably a little bit more up and down than a couple of other industries. So, yeah, I've lost some good staff on the back of those troughs. Um, and I guess that over a decade has gone by, um, probably in the early days that would have gutted you um, in terms of like I didn't want to lose them, but is there some acceptance there around, you know, what you can offer and, you know, what other players can potentially offer above and beyond? Like, is there a level of acceptance of this is the game that I'm playing and, you know, there's going to be things that I win and some things that I lose? Absolutely. I think as a business owner, you learn not straight away. Uh, a lot of businesses, you know, fail in the early days, probably because those losses can hit a bit, hit a bit hard. You sort of got to ride the waves a bit. Uh, you say in the early days, I, the first office manager I ever had was my wife, and I think she lasted about three months because <laughs> it was either the uh, the marriage or the or the job position. So, <laughs> luckily, we made the right decision, and uh, I lost an office manager but retained my wife. So, very that's, good, that's very <laughs> important. We've got to think of big rocks in the in our life. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, you, you ride those waves, and not that that was a, a big wave, but you do lose people, and um, like I said, I was. It's. I look at the positive side of it. It's an opportunity to, to get someone better, and yeah. I, I think we've consistently been able to do that. Great. I've had some, I've had some bad stuff though. <laughs> I won't name names, but I have had some. Bad stuff. So, how important to you is having the right team around you? Oh, it's imperative. It's imperative. Um, if I'm if I don't have the right team around me, what it does is it means. I need to work a lot harder myself because I'm having to not only do you know my important roles in the business, but if I'm having to constantly hold their hand and 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 not have them perform, it holds back the whole business because I'm constantly trying to develop and grow the business and and look at our customer service and make sure that's great and look you know make sure that we're always evolving, and that's the first thing to stop happening if I'm having to 
you know, go hands-on again to make mm. sure these people are performing well. Yeah. So, and it comes down, you've got to give them the right training, you've got to give them the right systems, and, and there's got to be something in it for them too. Um, they're not going to want to just come to work. For the, well, if they do just want to come to work to fill eight hours every day, they're probably not the right people. So, you know, there's got to be something in it for them. Uh, and that's something I've always offered, potentially my long time, well, always my long time stuff, the ones that have worked for me for a long period. There is a bigger picture, you know. Um, I always try and make that sure because for me to give them that little bit extra, sure, it comes, you know, whether it's financially or whether it's responsibility, whatever it is, give them that little bit extra, you know, it gives them something to strive for. Because mm. I know personally if I was just going to work every day and there was no end game. Yeah, just clicking, clipping the ticket we call it. You, you mm. just wouldn't work as hard and there's nothing to look forward to. And I think a lot of staff, you know, especially in the – bigger corporations fall into that that there's you know there's no real big picture for them and it, it gets stale so you've really got to make sure there's something you know for your staff members mm-hmm. that, that drives them yeah keeps them performing so and what is having the right team done for the business yeah absolutely so 10 years ago i would get up for work at 5 36 o'clock i'd go to the office, which I had a little table and a computer in the laundry back then, believe it or not, when I first started, 11, 12 years ago, and I'd quickly sort of do some of the paperwork that I needed to do, and then I'd whiz off and I'd have to go do the jobs, you know, with my own two hands, and then you'd be home by 7 o'clock at night, you'd be trying to do some invoicing, and then by 10 o'clock at night, you're ready to have dinner or something like that. I had no opportunity to grow the business, I had no opportunity to see if my customers were happy, I had, you know... None of that opportunity because I was so busy. So over the years, I've been able to put on um, you know two ICs that now run a lot of my projects for me. I don't have to get out there and put out those spot fires on the job anymore. They sort of look after that for me. I've also got an office manager who basically does that, manages the office and makes sure that all the administration is, is done correctly. What that means is I can actually go out there and make sure my customers are happy. I can go out there and, and see if... There's people in the industry who aren't getting served properly and perhaps we can help them better. So it's given me the opportunity to not just grow but also just assess the industry and make sure that, you know, we're constantly uh, servicing to what the industry wants. Um, and you just wouldn't you wouldn't do that if, you, if, you, if, if you're... If you're so busy just doing the job, you can't actually see where the, the changes and absolutely. the direction of the industry is yeah. taking. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, for us, what it's also been able to allow me to do is is probably embed a bit more of my passion into the business. So rather than I'll let you in on a secret, I don't sort of jump out of bed dreaming about putting PowerPoints on a wall. It's it's certainly... Doesn't light your candles anymore, No, no, it doesn't. So there's always a bit of a bigger picture. And for me, I'm able to do that and sort of try and instill that in the business a bit more because I've got the, the time and the resources to be able to do that. What other passions or projects do you have on the go at the moment? Well, I think I just sort of led into that a bit, but yeah, for me, I've got a bit of a, a bit of a love for design. So I guess that's why I probably moved away from being that that sort of single electrician that works out the back of his van, and now I'm running a business because I do like to get involved a lot earlier in design. Um, I found in our industry that it can one of the biggest being problems, electrical or construction. Well, both. Okay. In both. Probably construction. I found that the biggest problem is that a lot of people, and if you think about the residential market, they think about wanting to build a home. So they go, right, what's our first step? We'll go see the architect. The architect will then send some 
drawings off to a builder, the builder prices it up to what they, you know, what's drawn. It comes back, the customer signs off on it, the building's away. So what's happened is they've gone out and they've worked out how the building's going to look and they've worked out how big the building's going to be and then they've signed on the dotted line and the building starts and nobody ever really considered how the building's going to work. Okay. And for us, that's where I, my passion is. I'm, you know, I, I love, I love architecture as well, um, but it's more functional for me, really functional design. So, I mean, my passion's been able to get into these projects a lot earlier, get be involved with the architects and the developers at an early stage, better really nut out how buildings should work. And I mean, that's just some of the times. You know, we need to be more sustainable. We need to be more efficient. You know, people want a higher sense of security. And what happens in these projects is they get halfway through before perhaps they learn some of this thing. And then they're add-ons. They're add-ons and they're already bound by time, they're bound by budget and they can't implement them. You know, Mm. their hands are tight. So for us, yeah, it's about getting in there a bit earlier, helping with the design and, you know, what we sort of call functional design, working out how buildings going to work because that's what's been happening in, if you think about the automotive industry, you don't buy cars where you wind the windows up and down and put your seat backwards and forwards by hand anymore it's all there to make your driving experience better. And safer. And, and safer yeah, yeah. and more efficient. That's right. Yeah. The automotive industry's done that. Mm. But you get people who have great jobs and want the best things in life. They've got the, the iPhone 6 and they've got the BMW M3. Mm. And then they go home to this house that needs to be micromanaged. It really does. So for us, it's about instilling some of that and... Mm. You know, I mean, simply it's about what you would have heard the term smart homes. It's along those lines. So it's, you know, putting some of this smart technology in there and for us making it a bit more intuitive. So it's not hard work. It's mm. really simple to use. It's almost intuitive to use. Okay. Yeah. So what what would be some of the, the aspects that would, would fall under smart home design? Well, for us, I mean, smart homes have been around for probably nearly 20 years now, in, you know, in some capacity. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking I walk in and clap my hands and all the lights come on. Is that right? You, you could do that. They could do that. And that's probably what we steer away from because yeah. the whole sort of product-based gimmicky yeah. sell, mm. we try and avoid. We try and do more of a sort of a value proposition. So we find out what people want. You know, is it a heightened – is it security that you – what keeps you awake at night? You're worried that the doors aren't locked and you've got to get back out of bed and just check the doors. You know, are you constantly worried about having to pay the, the bills and the running costs? Um, you know, there's a whole lot of these factors. So what we try and do is, is talk to – these customers and work out what it is that's keeping them up at night and reverse engineer it then to have a house fills that and it shouldn't be hard work so we actually try and be involved in projects where you don't have to clap the hands because the house knows that it's evening it knows that it's a cool day and it knows that it's you know you inside not your husband there's ways to do this so it knows that you what lights you want on it. It knows what temperature you want the house to be, and it knows whether the doors should be locked or not locked. So it's a bit more intuitive that way. Um, it's the way of the future. That's so, fantastic. Mm. So how are you juggling this with Buckby Electrical? <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I've got a good team, I guess. Yeah, that, it comes down to the team again. Yeah, that allows me to um, sort of develop this and, and move it on. Um, it's been a... Something I've been doing for, for a little while now, and uh, it's, it's a business that's going to, it's sort of semi-launched. It's called Smarter Buildings. We've got a bit of a platform that's getting built around it, and I've got a soon-to-be-published book, too, that's coming out. That's great. I don't want to be bound by time here, but in the next few months. Invites for the book launch, yeah. folk. <laughs> uh, and the book will be called Homes with a Heartbeat. So Wonderful. Yeah, hopefully in the next few months we'll see that on the shelves. Yeah. 
it's a bit of a step-by-step guide to yeah. people being able to identify, you know, what's important to them in life and how that can be adapted and put into the home that you spend so much time in. Mm. So. Awesome. So an electrician and an author. Yeah, yes. How did you find the journey of, of authoring a book? Um, between you and me and a whole lot of yours, it was a tough slog. <laughs> yeah, it was um, – I'm certainly no natural writer. So it was it – was, it was inju- at the end, I mean, that sense of achievement at the end is extraordinary when you, when you get it out. But um, it was definitely – my typing skills aren't that quick either, so – it took my, longer my, to, to, to churn out a yeah, chapter. Yeah, my, my writing capacity mixed with my uh, speed at which I type was uh, yeah definitely made it a bit of a challenge, but it was enjoyable and, I mean, it, it was just good to – there's a whole lot of stuff that was obviously you, you know and you've never really documented and been able to get that all out on paper was a great experience. So. And having that passion, as you said, towards that smart homes and the design focus, there's a lot to be said about – passion when you do author a book because you're coming from a place of your heartfelt desire and that's where energy is driven towards so you've got that in in authoring a book so I can't wait to read it because I think for the layman and I would fall into the layman category it's you you hear about the smarter homes but you don't really unless you've recently built a home yourself with a new builder that is building smart homes we don't know what it is um so yeah I, I, i'm really in great anticipation of, of this book because um i saw it come into the commercial world um with energy efficiency like a big um driver for a lot of companies and tenants within the the multi-story buildings and so they started to to fit out their offices with smart technology uh, and to see it come now into the the home and residential space is fantastic and you know, I, I remember when you know the iPads and iPhones really started to kick into gear and I went to a girlfriend's house and you know she's on iTunes what what would you like to hear and anywhere in the house we could hear it mm-hmm. you know it's all filtered through now that's like five ten years ago now um, but just to see how technology continues to evolve as well so is this going to be another business with a whole host of different staff that you're going to bring on or is this going to be just the passion project that sits with with Sam and Sam himself no, look, it will be a little different. It would certainly be a lot around me in the short term. Um, it is my passion. That's something I really want to develop. I've got no doubt, though, if, if all goes well over the next few years, then I won't be able to do it by myself. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely room to grow, and I think it's a, it's a really strong industry. And, look, I mean, the really, I suppose, attractive thing from a work point of view is it's not really being done in the residential market, the whole sort of design component. Smart homes are being rolled out all the time. Um, they can be a little bit retrospective and also the client doesn't know what they're really getting because they've never really been educated. So for us, getting in there earlier and, and being involved in the design, there's a real opening in the market there. Um, you know, as you said, you it wasn't something you'd probably ever considered, um, but I'm sure you do worry about you know, the safety of your family in their home, in your home. You worry about, you know, the efficiencies. You worry about these things. Mm. You probably just didn't know that it was so easily adaptable into a home and it would be so little work. Um, you, you talked about efficiency, and efficiency has been a real, you know, sort of key word for a, a number of years now. 
the biggest problem with efficiency is a lot of people think that efficiency sort of equals sacrifice. In order to be yes. efficient, you've got to give up something. That's right. If I want to save my power bills, I have to get a uh, a onesie or a, you know, one of yes. those snugglies, and, and that's how I'm going to stay warm at night, whereas there's other ways to go about case. it. Yeah, it's certainly not the case. So, <laughs> yeah, the term efficiency means to get the most out of what you've got. So you don't have to change the way you live your life, but by implementing you know a few procedures and some new technology, you can have the same life you've always had, but it's so much more efficient. You know, it's going to cost you less. It's going to have you know less of a footprint that you're going to develop, and it's just a uh, a real benefit, a real value proposition rather than you know, hard work. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Sam. We've got 10, 12 years of your journey as an electrician and running your own business, and then you've got this whole new chapter ahead of you. So I see you right at the crossroads now of you know, this electrical business and then the new opportunity and the project that you're working on. So I wish you all the best both with Buckby Electrical and what's your new? Smarter Buildings. Smarter Buildings. So watch this space, um, folk, yeah. and, um, yeah, it'd be great to see how, how that rolls out. And, yeah, keep me in mind for the book launch. Absolutely. Thanks, Marie. Thanks, Sam. Well, that was a great podcast um, chat that we had with Sam. Um, Sam, I love him because he's so easygoing and relaxed and I'm sure he's probably like the duck on the water paddling like crazy underneath with so many irons in the fire with his uh, residential and commercial electrical business. Uh, he's about to um, publish a book and he's got this whole passion around smart homes, uh, which you can see is bubbling along in the background as well. So I always say, so what did we learn today? Uh, and what we learnt from Sam was, um, particularly in the construction industry and the trades industry to the construction field, is it's a it's a hot and cold market, isn't it? It's like a big roller coaster ride. You, you're sometimes in boom territory and almost bust the other times. Uh, so we spoke about how you staff up for peak periods and it's about you know, knowing with as much notice as you can uh, when you're going to need to increase your staffing levels and then determining how best to bring those people on board. So whether you bring them on board as employees, um, as casuals for a period of time or as subcontractors and all have their merit. Um, obviously employees, you know, difficult when you've, you're only engaging them for a fixed term to say you're coming in as an employee, but we're going to be releasing you in eight weeks. So it's usually a casual arrangement or a subcontractor arrangement. And I know the construction industry is also delicate around that um, because they want um, trades who have those ongoing employees to be assured of quality and safety and and you know meeting the compliance that you you do actually have to follow particularly in the electrical field so it was it was just interesting to hear how yep Sam has grown, but he has had to release staff um, when the times have not been as strong and the projects have been a little bit quiet. So um, that's something that we can take away. Lots of tradespeople will really resonate with what Sam's gone through, but also the retail sector. We are smack bang getting ready to staff up for the Christmas um, peak period. And so most retailers have to entertain bringing on a casual um, or bringing on, it's not necessarily subcontracting, it's mainly casual hires uh, in the retail industry. So that was really interesting to know. 
I actually liked what Sam said around, you know, when people leave, not, you know, there's sometimes you go, oh, I really didn't want that person to leave. And you do have that remorse, I guess, as a business manager or a divisional manager that, yeah, that, you know, it was, it was just a shame. But usually you will always recruit better. So one person brought a certain skill set, the next one is going to be better because you look at that person for who they were and what they brought to the table and what was good about them, but perhaps some areas for development. So you try and look for your next employee that has all the good things about the previous employee, but plugs the gap that perhaps the previous employee was missing. So I did, I did, you know, I thought that was a really good statement um, from Sam. And just having the right team around him, you know, how he reflects back to, um, I think he was in the laundry doing everything, uh, working in the business, on the business, early starts, late finishes, falling into bed and then doing it all again. And how he could actually look back and say, I can focus on the things that I'm passionate about. So, you know, he's got the electricians in the team. He's got the supervisors. He knows that they can troubleshoot on site and his clients are in safe hands. Being this celebrity electrician on the block, you know, you don't get that without a bit of cred in terms of quality um, and reputation as well. So he's obviously demonstrated it that he's had the right team around him to deliver the results. And finally, my last one was, it was just interesting to learn about the new project, you know, going into that smart home category, that's a brave new world. And I think most consumers are uneducated when it comes to the functionality of their house. So um, I'm going to look out for the book. Um, so Homes with a Heartbeat, I think it was. Um, and yeah, see, see if I can get that. I'm sure it'll be um, on his website or on his new company website. But if you do want to get access to the to the book, feel free to um, get in touch with Harvest. And we've got Sam you know, in our network, so we'll be able to get in touch with Sam and get the book to you. So um, info at harvesthr.com.au is a general uh, email that you can send to us or call us on 1300 363 128. In our next episode, we look forward to having Hugh Bowman. Hugh Bowman is a business coach from Action Coach World. And I love speaking to business coaches because they talk to businesses about a host of um, challenges that the businesses face and how to work through those. And um, of course, we're going to ask Hugh what he has experienced with clients from an HR perspective. So what sort of common challenges his clients have when it comes to staffing um, and just determining who are the, the the next people to bring on to their business. So a lot of businesses have the wrong people in their business to succeed um, and you, know, you need to sort of go through that staged approach depending on what your outcomes or desired outcomes are. So we look forward to having Hugh Bowman join us in our next episode. If you by chance are getting ready for a peak period, we'd love to hear from you and help you with your bulk recruitment needs. Usually it's, you know, it could be minimum of a couple of people and a maximum of a couple of hundred people, depending on your industry. But if you've got some peak projects or peak times in industry that you need to staff up relatively quickly, 
give Harvest Recruitment a call. We're on 1300 363 128 or you can find us at harvesthr.com.au. Alternatively, if you want to know the do's and don'ts of what you can and can't say from a discrimination perspective, again, give us a hoy. Uh, we'd be delighted to uh, speak to you and, yeah, see if we can assist you in that area as well. Thanks, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. You have been listening to Harvest Recruitment's Seeds for Success show with Marie Harris. Want to cultivate your employment prowess? Then visit harvesthr.com.au.